Welcome into Real Fun Sports, presented by Prince Frederick Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. They bring excitement to Southern Maryland. I'm Courtney Lachlan, joined by Kelly Collis. Kelly, it is the most wonderful time of the day because we get to sit here and finally talk some sports. And as we mentioned even last week, there's so many different sports happening. We've got NFL football starting this week. We've still got hockey, baseball, U.S. Open, tennis. Kelly, how you feeling with all these sports happening? I absolutely love it, especially coming off the long holiday weekend. It was great just to have the TV on. Don't forget, we had horse racing over the weekend, too. I mean, so it was just great to have that. It brought a sort of a sense of normalcy and familiarity that it was just great. I, I got to be honest, like, I don't know what sport to watch. Um, Fun fact, we have a lot of great uh, sports topics to talk about. We're going to touch on the MLB. We're going to talk about some things happening in the NHL and some news around the Cats. It's also a very special day in Washington Capitals franchise history. We'll have a special guest coming up on the show um, who happens to be, yes, my dad. And I'd have just a quick story about this because the U.S. Open is also on TV, and we're going to be touching about a cool storyline happening around that. Yesterday, though, we were sitting watching tennis and last night. And so there's been NHL playoffs happening, the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Dallas Stars. And then you have the Islanders versus the Tampa Bay um, Lightning. Last night, Kelly, I'm, I kid you not, we're sitting down and my dad's like, and he's he probably, he might not come on the show because I'm about to say this. He said, wow, I think I like watching tennis right now more than hockey, just because it's so, but it's so exciting, right? There's so many great storylines. Um, and I, I do just think it is weird to get behind hockey in September now. Like usually we're gearing up for the regular season and the preseason as opposed to just getting into playoffs. But I'm sorry, dad, if you're listening, I still want you to come on the show later to talk about a great story. Um, but it's just, it's fun to hear that. And it's fun to have so many sports on TV all at the same time. Uh, I'm right there with you. And this is why we do this show. And so let's, let's get to it. Uh, the Washington nationals are having a really rough season. In fact, they are last in the NL East, um, by a lot. I think they are four games behind uh, the next team. So they've had a rough road trip last week and that's fine. But then they come home. They've been home um, my, uh, Monday night and Tuesday night, and they won both games. And the reason why we care about that is that they beat one of the best teams in the entire MLB. They have one of the best records. They're right up there with the Dodgers. That is the Tampa Bay Rays. So to have those two big wins, to get a little momentum, Scherzer pitched one of the games. It was like the type of win that they needed to give them the confidence to kind of turn the season around, they've got a long way to go. I mean, it's going to take something pretty spectacular um, for them to continue to keep on winning, but it's amazing to see them out there doing it. Uh, Trey Turner continues to have an incredible season. Soto, Robles, um, but Scherzer on Monday, he had his Scherzer type of game. He just was uh, pitching his best and just you can tell he had that look. Scherzer gets this look when he's winning and he knows he's playing really well. You just don't want to mess with him. But it's so much fun to see him up there on the mound. So that's one of the big stories we're seeing with the Nats. They have the day off today uh, and they're back at it on uh, Thursday tomorrow. But um, I want to talk about a little funny thing because we're really trying to get into like the sense of humor of these players as they're being you know, wearing their masks, coming out of the stadiums, not seeing their fans, not, you know, being reunited with their loved ones. And we'll get into a little bit more about their mental well-being. But one of the Tampa Bay Rays, his name is Tyler Glass now. He's a pitcher. He's a really good player. And every night 
after uh, he goes into the stadium and when he leaves the stadium, he has like a little sign that um, he's communicating with his fans and a couple of the reporters that are out there and they've been making the rounds on Twitter. Thank you for Solomon Tucker, who's been trying to get some of these photos. And after the loss last night, after the two, two in a row loss, uh, he had this sign that said, we're going to post it up. Yeah, there it goes. Don't go one and oh, didn't go one and oh today or even yesterday. <laughs> One and oh, of course, is in reference to Davy Martinez's uh, battle cry last season in 2019 when he revved up the team to go one and oh every day. And now it's sort of become mantra, I know, not only with the Nats, but with the Caps as well. So I just like the players having a sense of humor. Um, it is, it's a nice distraction from sort of the game. Um, because there is talk as, as we're, we are winding down the season. I mean, we, mm-hmm. it is winding down at the end of September of what the playoffs will look like. Obviously, it's going to be a lot different. Um, but these are the little things why I love baseball and to have a little a sense of humor about that. Kelly, do you find that baseball players are a little bit more open with things like that and showing more of their personalities now that they're in the bubble or in, in their own, not necessarily bubble. Yes. Cocky's in the right. bubble and, but in, in their own contained environment, I guess. I like that question. I, I mean, immediately my answer was no, but then I think about now the, the Nats players, and I'm sure some of the other teams host a Zoom call after their games, and it's usually, you know, obviously Davey Martinez, but it's usually a couple players, and it kind of rotates. Um, and I think that the players like not having, like, microphones in their face, like when they're coming out of the locker room and mm-hmm. after they've showered and, and kind of overwhelmed, especially, you know, it's no fun to interview them after a loss. Right. So I think in a Zoom, they feel a little bit more laid back. We saw it with Soto last night. He was having a lot of fun. Of course, he had an incredible game, so he was being a little bit more playful. Um, so I think maybe that that's that's less intimidating for them mm-hmm. because they don't have that face-to-face interaction and they can kind of chill and, and be themselves. I love that because I, I think that the, this new environment has allowed players to show different sides to the media that they might not, not, might not normally have. Um, and I, I think that that's a great way to help bring in the fan base to the players because the fans aren't there. Yeah. 1000%. And, and the players have gotten to a point where they know that they, the fans are seeing these zoom videos afterwards. Cause not necessarily would you see, you know, an interview after the locker room, but the, the zoom links, because other reporters are putting them up out there, you do get to see them having personality and memes are coming out of, as the players are being funny on the zoom Nats on zoom is, is the hashtag. So it's, it's kind of fun to see. And another thing that we've talked about a lot, uh, Courtney, you and I, since the, the bubble, of course, with the NHL playoffs started happening and these players, uh, and the MLB are sort of quarantining themselves, many of them from their family. Of course, a lot of them have young kids. And there was an article in the Washington Post today that talked about the mental wellness of the Washington Nationals. And a couple of things, a couple of takeaways with that article. First off, Barry Sluga, who wrote the article, said right to the get go. His sentiment was like, let's not, nobody's fooling ourselves. Let's just get rid of this. Of course, the professional athletes, of course, they make a lot of money, but it doesn't take away, you know, especially in this day and age when we've gotten to be so comfortable talking about mental well-being, it doesn't take away the needs that they're having. Um, And so the article kind of featured Adam Eaton. We're showing the quote up here. 
Um, it's, you know, he, he talks about like not being able, not only does he miss his kids and his wife, but he misses the interaction that he has, um, with his other teammates, kids. Cause they usually come into the clubhouse after a game or sometimes onto the field after a big win. And so you don't have these like really awesome memories, um, that makes, you know, baseball, one of these special sports that the kids a lot of times do travel, uh, with their dad and playing, uh, you know, Eaton and Doolittle are kind of the feature of the article. They are probably the most emotional and open about um, what they're missing. Uh, Doolittle, who had a really tough start uh, with the Nats, wasn't playing his best and actually got sent down for a couple of weeks. Unfortunately, this article talks about how he lost his dog. And him and his wife uh, don't uh, have any children. And this was a big, the dog was 11 years old. And, you know, he's on the road. He's not really with his wife because he, when he comes off from the road, he quarantines until he gets his um, negative test back. And uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's tough on these guys. And you, you do have to wonder how they're handling it and, and missing out on, on some of those special moments. Uh, another thing that I thought was kind of neat that Eaton talked about, cause I would just freak out cause I love traveling to go see the Nats play in other cities. He, uh, has a habit, uh, when he travels to take a long walk and go just sit somewhere when he has free time and just people watch. And I would just freak out if I was walking down, like, I don't know, <laughs> Philadelphia or Atlanta and Adam Eaton was just sitting there hanging and drinking a Starbucks or whatever it is <laughs> people watching. I just, I feel like these athletes, uh, yeah, they are people, right? And and I think that you even heard a lot of criticism and, you know, sometimes people would say things in the media about, well, they should be wanting to play and they, they're athletes, they get paid to do this. And at the end of the day, they are still the same humans and they're still going through the same things that a ton of people are going through, which is the mental health side of things. And how do they handle that? How do they handle their new sport? I, I could definitely see how it's a challenge for sure. Mm-hmm. The and I'm sure that uh, NHL has this. Uh, they, I mean, they have a, a team of psychologists on staff uh, with the Nationals, and this article does touch on that he's been more busy than in other seasons. <laughs> um, I'm sure. And, and Doolittle openly uh, shares with the reporter that you know he has spent some time trying to work through all those issues. And you know what? Doolittle last night had an incredible game. So, you know, working through it, talking about it, mm-hmm. getting through whatever struggles he had earlier in the season, there, I think there was definitely a mental component. It wasn't a physical component because right. his pitches were fast enough. They were He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He just wasn't mentally all focused. So... Uh, I don't like to see my, my boys going through that, but, but I'm glad, you know, they're, they're getting help and talking about it. Yeah. I mean, as all of us need to do kind of during this time, it's interesting, Kelly, because you talk about ways, I feel like baseball might be a little bit more open in terms of the mental side of the game and the things that they're going through. But in terms of hockey, I found this really interesting. There was an article that came out the other day um, from the ESPN that talked about ways NHL teams have taken advantage of the bubble. And NHL has been a little different from the MLB because they have been in this bubble environment. I don't necessarily know if it makes it worse. It's just different, right? They they left their families. They moved to the hub city and have been there. Now the teams that are still in the the um, in their finals have been there since basically August, late July. And I, I found this article really interesting. Basically, they said that the Vegas Golden Knights – 
have put together a fun committee and it's led by none other than former Washington Capitol. He was a fan favorite here in DC and that's Nate Schmidt. And I mean, if you just look at his face all the time, he is just always smiling, having a great time. I mean, I would nickname him smiley because this kid is just always smiling, loves the game, love playing for the teams that um, he plays for and he puts the sweater on for. And I, I liked this because basically Nate Schmidt has been called the president of this fun committee. And what they're trying to do is again, so they're out in Edmonton is to emulate Vegas, their home to the best way that they can in the bubble. And they've done that through the help of Nate Schmidt and a couple other guys, Nick Colden and Ryan Reeves are also part of this fun committee. And they're basically responsible of finding ways that the team can get together the way the team can bond and to make things as normal as possible because of that mental struggle that I think these players have being away from their normalcy, their families, their clothes, their own closet, right? I mean, they don't have any of these things, their own food. We've even seen some players take up cooking in the bubble because they're just like, we need to find something that can bond us together. I love this fun committee. And of course it's fitting. I feel like for Nate Schmidt to kind of be the president of this. Here's uh, one of the Vegas Golden Knights players, Nick Cousins. This was their movie theater night that they participated in with popcorn and movies. I think they had like movies and sport events happening kind of all at the same time. So all of these things have been coordinated through the players and that with the help of their team services director and the NHL, just to make the bubble experience better and more enjoyable for the long haul. And and I, again, I, I think they're doing it as a couple of the players have said to make it feel normal, right? To help with that mental side because they are there for such a long time. And especially those teams that have now gone on to their conference finals because they've been there now since August. So how can you, how can you keep making this something that you want to be there for? So kudos to Nate Schmidt. I'm not surprised that he's the president of this fun committee because <laughs> he just seems like that type of person. <laughs> yeah. I remember him when he was the caps, he was a friend of the show would call in a lot. He always had such a great sense of humor. He was always so patient with me with my silly questions and nice guy. So that's great to see him do that. Um, fun fact. He was my very first NHL Washington Capitals player interview. And I think I was so nervous and everyone's just like, just interview Nate Schmidt. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And I was like, and just to that point, like he was yeah. so great with the media. He certainly calmed my nerves. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, what do I say? What kind of question do I ask? Um, but he'll always be remembered as kind of that person that, that made it comfortable for the media. Um, we do have some other hockey topics coming up just in a little bit. Kelly will have a special guest joining us because today marks a historical day in Washington Capitals franchise history. But before we get to that, Kelly, I want to get to, um, I know I mentioned at the top of the show, tennis and my dad, how much we've been watching tennis. This headline and this storyline is incredible to me because when I think about it, I wish I could have accomplished half of what these women have accomplished at their age and what they've done so far. So for those of you that have been watching or haven't been watching U.S. Open tennis, um, this tournament being played in New York in another bubble situation has three moms participating in the corner finals for the first time ever in the open era nine moms participated in the u.s open only three moms have gone on to win a grand slam open title i can't even imagine playing as a mom kelly I, you're a mom I, the competitiveness of winning a grand slam and playing competitively after having a kid 
I can't even imagine. Sure. And I mean, yeah, absolutely. The physical toll that it takes on your body, even as a professional athlete. I mean, I know Serena Williams, who is in the quarterfinals, she had a tough time right after her baby was born. She dealt, she dealt with some postpartum and she dealt with, you know, her physical capabilities were weakened a little bit. So it does take some time to do it. But I, I think that, you know, like anything else in these sports is it evolves and, and we learn more about how the body can rebound in a professional sports situation because there's typically not a lot of women's professional sports at the level of tennis, right? Right. right. Um, that, that get paid and that get that get put on a level like this. So I think that the USTA and the women's organizations that are helping these women get back in shape with their mental and their physical wellness um, has come a long way. And I think that's kind of a testament to the training regiments, right? That what what women are able to do, what they're able to put their bodies through. I mean, even just looking at how te- all sports, how they used to be played, and now those training regiments are just are so different because the game has also changed. And so you do have to train your body in a different way. And I think that the way that we train, the way that we just know so much more about training, about eating, about hydration, that you can see these athletes perform in their 30s, in their early 40s, even yeah. after even after having kids. So I, I love this because I also think it's great for women to see that women, it doesn't have to stop after having kids, um, that you can continue to pursue something that you're passionate about and be a mom at the same time, which I think is an important message to show girls and athletes that that they can they can do it both it's hard um but they can they can pursue both dreams if that's if that's what they wish moms are really good multitaskers (laughs) i know that for sure i'm no professional athlete but i can appreciate it from afar okay so you can co-host on this show and then you can also be the president of the fun committee right and be a mom Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Sign okay. me up. Don, Kelly, you're officially my fun committee, president of my fun committee. Yay. <laughs> uh, one more thing that we just want to touch on, Kelly, and that is NFL football is back this week. Opening day for the NFL is on Thursday. We've got Chiefs versus the Texans, Washington football versus the Eagles. It's going to be a little weird. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 ex- I'm really excited in our household. I mean, we we're all in. My my son, you know, has his fantasy football team, so he kind of has all the games on as he has players from all these different teams. But he's really excited about it. Um, excited to see the Washington football play, team play on Sunday. It's a home game. It will be really weird to see uh, this. <laughs> the sport without fans and i think each sport has done it a little differently of how they're handling the fan situation so it'll be interesting to see what what the nfl and the individual teams do to kind of like make it not seem so barren yeah and i think that's the biggest here's the thing a lot of people do watch football from home right but what is the broadcast going to be like how are they going to bring those fans in um because everybody has done their own thing to make it engaging and so it's not just silence in a in a bubble and especially those stadiums how do you bring in sound because it can mm-hmm. sound very hollow um if they don't i think it's been interesting to watch u.s tennis um from that perspective because you can hear the athletes you can hear what they're saying same thing with hockey i know they had a the garbolator or something that my dad used to call it in terms where they would try to mute the bad words that the that the hockey players would say um so yeah it will be interesting to see um, what football is like and kind of the big fanfare around football. And also culturally, how are people going to watch the games? Are there going to be cookouts? I don't know. Like, 
Are people going to tailgate social distancing in their backyards? Are chili cookouts going to be a thing? I know in in Buffalo, where my husband's from with the Bills, there is the stadium is kind of in a neighborhood um, and where people have driveways. And trust me, I've been there on a Sunday when the Bills are playing. It's like it is a sports town, like everyone from people at the malls to restaurants, whether you're going to the game or not going to the game, you're wearing something Bills. And I think, you know, in that instance, I know not all stadiums have the same setup. There is going to be tailgating outside the stadium, um, but it will be at people's individual homes. Because it's a lot of time these guys, the, these homes rent out their driveway so people can tailgate outside the game and then walk into the game. How does that work? I don't, I'm not from <laughs> Buffalo. I just married into it. <laughs> but that, that, that's actually a thing. So people pay for the driveway. Yes, and set up their tailgate there, and they're close enough to the stadium where they either one half their party can stay and watch the game if they don't have tickets, and the or the other half is going into the stadium because I don't know if you've heard, it's pretty darn cold in Buffalo. Mm. So, and there usually is a lot of snow when as you get into the December January months. Uh-huh. So it takes a hearty fan to really enjoy football in Buffalo. Okay, well, Miss President of the Fun Committee, your first task is to make a fun socially distanced football party. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> Okay, well now, Kelly, we're going to talk about how this has been a historic day or how this is a historic day in Washington's, Washington Capitals franchise history. Um, we do have a special guest that's going to join us. Oh, my gosh, look <laughs> at those curly locks. Um, my dad coming live from uh, the Lachlan Hi, basement. Oh. <laughs> oh, we got the bobblehead. <laughs> Come on in here, Dad. All right. I'm here. Put this in your ear. Oh, other ear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this is kind of a crazy day for us Lachlans. Um, For any of you Cats fans, hockey fans, Washington sports fans in general, September 9th, 1982, will go down in history as one of the biggest trades in Washington Capitals franchise history because Dad, yep. you were traded to the Washington Capitals in one of the biggest blockbuster trades at that time. If I have this right, I know you probably yep. know this a little better than I do. Go ahead. So 38 years ago, you, Rod Langway, Doug Jarvis, and Brian Englum were all traded from the Montreal Canadiens to the Caps. And I thought it was me for the two Montreal Canadiens. I don't remember those other three throw-ins. That's what they used to call me, a throw-in in the deal. And, yes, it was 38 years ago. I was going to training camp. I was walking the streets of Montreal right outside of the Montreal Forum. We hadn't hit the ice for training camp yet. And it was the first day of training camp. My agent had called me the night before and said, Craig, there might be a big move. And that was the same year that David Coyle took over as general manager of the Washington Capitals. And that was his first big trade. And it was a blockbuster, and it shocked everybody that was involved in it. So take us back to that day. I think the how you heard is probably a little bit differently different than how mm-hmm. players today heard they've gotten traded. Yeah, because we didn't have cell phones. You were called into <laughs> the office. We were called off the street. We were ready to do physicals for our first day of training camp. And they said, Rod, Brian, uh, Jarvey, and me go up and see Mr. Ron Caron. And at the time, I think the GM was Irving Grudman go up to his office, he needs to talk to you. So we knew something was happening, 
And we walked up to the office. They said, guys, you've been traded to the Washington Capitals. And it just so happened that the very last game of the season prior, we played the Washington Capitals at Capitol Center. And at the time, if people remember Capital Center, to walk out of the building as a player or employees, you had to walk up a long ramp to your bus or to your cars. And we were, like, astonished at the Washington Capitals fans being on the ice for the so-called shirts off your back at the time because that would never happen in Montreal. You were never allowed to be close to the players. (laughs) Like, it was just uh, not part of the deal. But these uh, fans were on the ice. So we remembered that. And when we were on the plane, we said, what do you know about Washington? And Rod and I sort of looked at each other, not too much. <laughs> and it ended up that we arrived and it was save the caps campaign. So we knew we were sort of coming into an environment <laughs> that was loaded with baseball, loaded with football, and hockey was sort of at the back end of things that people were talking about. So we came in with open eyes and David Poyle set the table for great success and we made the playoffs the first year ever in caps history. What do you think if you had a word, and yep. I know this might be tough okay. for one word. <laughs> I have one word, but you probably won't understand it, honey. No, one word to define that feeling when you got the call, when they said the words, you are traded. Well, let me first preface in telling you exactly what happened and why it occurred. More than That's one word one already. Word. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Okay. Uh, I want to tell the backstory because it's important. We had been the best team in the National Hockey League in Montreal. We ended up playing the Quebec Nordiques, and obviously there was not a more heated rival in the NHL, Montreal versus Quebec City. It was crazy. Fights every night, not only in the stands but on the ice. It was just a heated rivalry. And we played them in the playoffs. And back then in 81, 82, it was best three out of five. We tied it up at two apiece, and we were coming home to play at the Montreal Forum, which teams had a tough time winning in. We thought for sure we'd beat the Quebec Nordiques and have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Lo and behold, game five goes to overtime. And fans of Washington absolutely love number 32. We absolutely despised them. And I'm talking Dale Hunter because he scored on a wraparound. The Quebec Nordiques upended us. And that was one of the toughest losses the Montreal Canadiens had had in years. And so we knew something was brewing. But the timing was very weird. For me, when I was traded, the one word I would say was excited Hmm. and the reason being is montreal was loaded at the time washington was young and they were getting rid of a lot of guys they had a new gm they had a new coach and brian murray that i would say another word i'm allowed to opportunity (laughs) because i was not a player that had yet made his mark in the nhl to, to go to a franchise that i had the chance to carve out my niche in the nhl Washington was my answer. Why do you think that teams don't have these big blockbuster trades anymore? Because that was four guys, and then the Washington Capitals traded one of their top goal scorers. Yeah, absolutely. And so they got Rick rid of Rainer one of their young Walter. guys. Yeah. Um, so that was four players for two. Why do you think we don't we don't see that anymore? 
And, okay, let's start off with Ryan Walter and Rick Green. There were two very established players that went to Montreal for four guys that we sent, Montreal sent to them. And it was very difficult at the time. There's different times in sports that different things play into the trade. David Poyle actually had to go to the owner, Mr. Poland at the time, and ask him if he could trade his favorite player. And Mr. Poland's favorite player was Ryan Walter. Mm -hmm. So it went through a lot of channels just to do the trade. The reason they're so difficult now is the salary, the salary caps, the lack of salary space that teams have. Like you can't all of a sudden do a four for two now and take on salary. It's not possible in this day and age of the NHL. So now you're dealing with that. You're dealing with no trade clauses or preferred Mm -hmm. teams to be traded to. So the player's side of things, they have a lot more rights. Back then, I was on a two-way contract at 18000 Canadian, which is about 9000 American, <laughs> to play in the American League. And I think my first NHL contract was 61000 But everything was a two-way. So if you weren't playing well, you could be sent down, right. and you'd have to make the lesser amount of money. Now most players on NHL teams are one-way contracts. The minimum salary is 790000 So now all of a sudden, it's hard to trade assets. Right. And that's why we see less and less big blockbuster deals. Well, Dad, one of our favorite, one of your favorite followers, one of the Lachlan family um, followers, Cortina, she says, I love your stories. We can never get enough of the locker <laughs> stories. I will say this, though, that you wouldn't, we wouldn't be here in Washington if it wasn't for that trade. Absolutely not. I mean, it was, when we arrived in 82, one of the, one of the things that David Poyle set out to do was create a hockey culture. And to do that, he said, guys that are on this team in 82, and that was our first year we went to the Stanley Cup playoffs in the history of the Caps, You're going to have to be part of the community. And we had written in our contract that David Poyle had that we had to do six to eight appearances per player throughout the community every year. It was part of the deal that you signed with the Washington Capitals. And he also said that we would like you, as many of you guys, to live here in Washington. Mm. So I think my longevity stems from the fact that I fell in love with the Caps. I fell in love with the Washington area. We fell in love with Crofton at the time because we were practicing in downtown (laughs) DC, so at Fort DuPont. So the opportunity to carve out an NHL career in a beautiful area like Crofton, Annapolis, the DMV overall is spectacular. Um, That's what happened. The only thing I wish I would have done is probably bought a big waterfront in Annapolis. <laughs> but that's another time and another locker story. Uh, well, no, but real quick on that, Dad, yeah. you do say we have a lake in the backyard. We don't, but we have a pool that you call the lake. Yes, I'm going to go jump in the lake. <laughs> and it's not a lake, it's a full pool. But it looks like a lake. Uh, yeah, it does. Okay. But it's clear. <laughs> yes, and chlorinated and clean, and, and we have somebody to come and maintain it all the time. Um, last thing for you, Dad, yep. because when I brought this up, I saw this actually on NHL.com this okay. morning when they go through today in NHL history and they talk about the trade. And I said, yeah. Dad, did you know today, 80, 38 years ago, you were traded? And, and we were sitting and kind of talking with Mom, and she said, oh, that, that was really hard. But one of the things that made the trade easier was that at least for my mom and she had 
just established herself in Montreal and now she's traded to Washington was that she had friends, right? She was friends with the Jarvises. She was friends with the Langways. Yep. Did that make it easier for you when you got traded, knowing that oh. you had some of your good friends being traded with you to Washington? Absolutely. It was not. It's night and day, Court. When you get traded, when you're a single trade, one for one, it was very difficult. And again, I have another story about that. <laughs> but when we were such good friends with the people we were traded with, not only the players, but the wives, the kids, yeah. if they had kids, the Jarvises, the Engbloms, the Langways in particular, and their boys that they had, it was just an easy transition because we knew nobody in Washington. My hardest trade was when I was traded to Los Angeles two days after you were born. What was that, like 48? No, not, not 40 years ago. <laughs> See, I get, I get my time I'm court. Like I, my time gets mixed up. But anyways, when I was traded... You were two days old. Yeah. I had to get on a plane and fly to Los Angeles. They sent a defense defenseman this way for me and Grant Ledger, who ended up playing a lot of years here in Washington. And I knew I was in trouble the day I arrived. And it was a night game at the Fabulous Forum in L.A. And I remember walking into the stands and they had a seat for me in the press box, which was sort of mid-level at the old forum. And the general manager at the time, Rogi Vachon, in his broken French, he said, Craig, we are so happy to have you here. We have been looking for a fast forward our whole year. <laughs> and I said, I am going to be in big time trouble because I can't live up to those expectations. Uh, yeah, Lachlan and Fast. <laughs> oh, Lachlan. <laughs> Lachlan and Fast were never two words that were uh, put together <laughs> no. on, on your scouting report. No, dad. no. Um, but it is a really cool day in Washington Capitals. Look at that. Now, oh, I got a story about that, by the way. <laughs> that was, that you happened to come out. Everything. Okay, that picture, that happened to come about after an afternoon of beverages. Oh, boy. And me, <laughs> me and Pete Peters, what a name for a goalie, right? Yep. Pete Peters. And I said, you know what? Halfway through our afternoon of having a little fun, we said, how about we get a perm? <laughs> and I came home with this perm here, honey. And what did mom say? Wow. <laughs> I'm sure she Who had, are you? I'm sure she had more words. So there's than, always wow. a story behind I can um, come up with a story. That is interesting because I can honestly say, Kelly, I have never had a perm. Um, so my, that is one thing I can say that my dad has done in terms of um, um, aesthetics and beauty is that he has had a perm before me. <laughs> That's very 1980s of you. <laughs> yes. Oh, boy. Well, Dad, thank you so much for joining Real Fun Sports today. It was so great to talk about you and your day in history and the day that you were traded here and became a lifelong <laughs> capital. And you're obviously I didn't know. I didn't know you had your own show, Court. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't been my own show for like the last 20 minutes that you've been on. <laughs> Um, but no, Dad, thank you so much for joining. Kelly, always so fun to talk some sports with you when he's not on, um, obviously, because neither of us get to talk sports when he's on. <laughs> we just let it happen. It's all good. Yes. Real fun sports. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Dad. You got Thanks, it. everybody. We hope you enjoyed chatting some sports with me and Kelly Collis and obviously Dad, Craig Lachlan. Thanks for joining. And thanks to our wonderful sponsor, Prince Frederick Price. Uh, Prince Frederick, you got me all tongue-tied. Prince Frederick, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. They bring excitement to Southern Maryland. We love our sponsors and thank them so much for partnering with us on Real Fun Sports. Craig Lachlan, Courtney Lachlan, Kelly Collis. We'll see you guys next time.
At Prince Frederick Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, they always treat my family like family. And Prince Frederick Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram will do the same for you. They bring excitement to Southern Maryland. Welcoming cap superstars, baseball and football players. Popping up a beach party in their parking lot. They make the holidays bright for everyone and extra special for some with Toys for Tots. Now, Prince Frederick Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram brings Southern Maryland excitement to you. We've delivered as far as Massachusetts so far. Anywhere, anytime, we're open for delivery. We can pick your vehicle up, car will be repaired, brought back to the home, sanitized again, contact free. The biggest thing that everybody's thinking about is how can I be safe? How can I still get my vehicle? How can I choose a new vehicle? You know, we have everybody sitting at home. It's kind of fun to look at a new car. We're pre-owned. Visit Prince Frederick Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram at PrinceFrederickDodge.com or come see them on Route 4 South in the heart of Prince Frederick. And thanks to Crop Metcalf. Not sure your home's cooling system is going to make it through the rest of the season? Call Crop Metcalf today and ask about special installation and service financing plans, including six months of no payments on qualifying service calls. Visit CropMetcalf.com to schedule an appointment. Crop Metcalf, home of the five-star technician.